We used to have Twin Falls, mm -hmm. a tourist attraction, right? It doesn't exist anymore. It's not Single Falls because the, the Kaplan Glacier retreated so much that that left lobe of the glacier doesn't feed the creek anymore at all. Now it drains into the right lobe. So, yeah, it's... If you observe the environment here at all, it's it's striking. It's just mm -hmm. striking how how rapidly and how dramatically these changes are happening. Hi, I'm Nikki Skews. Welcome to this podcast, 54 Degrees North. The loss of snow and ice are causing Canada to heat up at more than twice the global rate of warming. The farther north you go, the more accelerated the warming. What does that mean for us here in the Smithers area? In this episode of 54 Degrees North, the climate chronicles of the Bulkley Valley, we'll hear the science and stories about glaciers and groundwater. I'm Sheena Miller, the new manager of the Smithers District Chamber of Commerce. We have all different kinds of people that are living here that have all different kinds of political beliefs. And I think what grounds everybody and what unites us all, whether you're a visitor or you're you know, a member of the chamber or you're just somebody walking down the street, is the landscape. It's really, we are sitting, you walk out the chamber door, the Visitor Info Centre, and you're looking at stunning stunning glaciers and that are receding actually um, so they're they're not quite the view they were maybe 10 or 15 years ago looking out but they're still there and yeah big mountains really dramatic landscape uh, several mountain ranges right around us and beautiful rivers nearby My name is Vanessa Ford, and I am a climatologist uh, working in northern British Columbia. Great. And so what are some of the observations that you've found? Um, and I'm not sure if you have specific information for the Bulkley Valley or if it's more regional, but what have you? What trends have you noticed or changes in temperature? So in general, northern BC has seen about a three degree increase in uh, mean annual temperatures over about the last 120 years. And that's about three times the global average temperature change. Uh, most of this warming is occurring in the winter months with the coldest temperatures um, increasing the most or extreme minimums. And precipitation trends are a bit more complex. It depends where you are in Northern BC and what's the season. Uh, but generally the strongest trends for Northern BC are in the winter, uh, seeing lots of declines in precipitation across the North, especially in more recent years. Uh, specifically to the Bulkley Valley, um, if I've, uh, some, I've done a bunch of summarization of Environment Canada daily climate data from 1905 to 2008 for the Bulkley Valley area. And what I found there was that winter and summer are seeing the largest increases in temperatures. Um, until 2008, precipitation trends were also quite strong in all seasons, totaling about a 12% uh, increase in an annual precip. However, when we look at just the data from Smithers specifically, um, and we're including the last 10 years, which uh, kind of have been against um, those 100-year trends. Um, so the Smithers data runs from 1942 to 2018. And what we see there is a significant decline of around 35% in winter precipitation for the Smithers area and increases of temperatures on the order of uh, 1.6 degrees in that approximate 70 year time period. Wow. 
<laughs> That's significant. I mean, a 35% decrease in precipitation in the winter. So lower snowpacks, what, what kind of impacts does this have on our water tables and our river? Yeah, I mean, that's not an area that I specifically have data on, but I certainly work with lots of colleagues that are, are either working for um, independent uh, fishery coalitions or that work for provincial and federal governments. And I'm hearing that there are widespread impacts in recent years in terms of low flows, drought conditions. Certainly we've seen increases of fires in recent years, all sorts of things. And certainly I get a lot of complaints about uh, ski seasons in the area as well. My name is Christoph Litzfelbinger. I'm a mountain guide living in the Balky Valley. I make my living mostly operating a backcountry lodge. I also work as a snow avalanche consultant and instructor. It's 50 kilometers southwest of Smithers in the Hausen Range, which is the most easterly and the highest range in the Coast Mountains. It's on unceded but sovereign territory of the Tsayu clan. Right. What I can say and what I can document quite readily is a very dramatic, very rapid retreat and loss of ice. The coast mountains where we are aren't overly high. The absolute elevation is at 2760 meters, so that's not that's not overly high. But they are we are far enough north and close enough to salt water that the glaciation is considerable in these mountains. And there are some things that are just very easy to see, very dramatic to see. For example, two glaciers that have, since I've been there, since 1997 when I first visited, that have always joined, and joined in a fairly broad, thick confluence, that are now separated, which is very dramatic. It's extremely dramatic to see. You can also measure length of glacier quite readily. It's much harder to measure the thickness of glaciers, which is, in terms of volume, probably a more relevant uh, measurement. But even without being able to measure that, it's just comparing photos over the years that the thickness of the ice is varying dramatically. We have had to change some routes because the ice has changed so dramatically. There is a route uh, that has to skirt a major icefall that has changed so much that we now have to go quite a different route than, than we used to. There are whole lobes of glaciers that, for example, are still shown on the, uh, on the 1970s NTS map, like the official Canadian map, that are gone. And even those that were there when I started operating there now are broken up. There's ridges of rock appearing in them, and so lobes are being split off, and those are melting off. And, uh, the, the overall retreat of the ice is extremely dramatic. It is a profound change in place and that affects, that affects me and that affects people who are in that place. It is a, a very profound thing that is going away and changing. Yeah. And there are issues beyond being able to ski. It's very likely that we'll be able to ski into the foreseeable future. I don't know.
years ago now, I, I did alpine safety for a mining project north and west of Stewart. And we had to, we were drilling through the ice. So we placed drills on the ice and drilled through the ice to get into the rock below. Uh, so I had to build fences around the these drills uh, to, so nobody would fall into the crevasses, which were numerous. <laughs> I had to drill into the ice every day, pretty much, to fix these things. We, we thread rope through the ice to, to fix things. And we lost 10 centimeters of ice every day, every day, for several weeks. So t every 10 days, there's a meter of ice gone. Every month, there's three meters of ice gone. Wow, that sounds like the, the significant just dramatic. and rapid. Uh, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's hard to overstate just how rapid it is, just how fast it is, how dramatic it is. While the glaciers melt around us, we are also experiencing warmer winters that impact us and the wildlife in a variety of ways. Last winter, a young moose fell through the thin ice on the way to town. I am Chief Namox. I currently sit as the highest ranking chief of the Taiyu clan of the Wet'suwet'en Nation and my English name is John Ridsdale. Climate change affects uh, migratory patterns or living patterns for animals. It gets ingrained in them where they should be and so if they haven't really caught themselves like with the moose issue that fell into the Bulkley, the Wet'suwet'en uh, this year, it was rotting ice, it was warm, and the ice was rotting. Animals get used to a travel pattern, and they will try to stick to those same patterns. It's multi-generational, and so it was trying to cross the ice, and yet with the warm winter that we had, it fell through the ice, and uh, the animal actually was destroyed there. It could not get out. There was not any way that uh, anybody could get out, even to use it as a food source, and so the conservation officers were called in, and they had to destroy the animals so it did not suffer. As British Columbians, we all value water. With glaciers receding and often lower snowpacks, we are also aware in the Bulkley Valley of how these impact our groundwater, with most of us relying on wells for our families. I am Shannon McPhail. I was born and raised in the Kispiox Valley, and I work with Skeena Watershed Conservation Coalition. Last year was a well, it was a pretty terrifying year, actually. It was the first time I had ever really had, uh, I was really sort of shaken right down to the foundation of thinking that we can be resilient to climate change. You know, when all these scientists got together and they looked at all these different watersheds all over the world, they said the Skeena watershed was in the top three most resilient watersheds in the world to climate change. And that made me feel pretty safe. Um, until last year, when uh, we had crazy droughts, our rivers were drying up, our forests were burning up, like swamps were burning and bogs were burning. And you know, these are the places that are always just full of water. So how can stuff burn in there? And what was really weird in the Kispiox River, you know, a river that I had grown up on and spent every Sunday in the summer floating with my grandparents and my aunts and uncles and cousins. And that's just what we did as a family. You know, that river is pretty near and dear to our heart and it was 
you know, where we experienced the most love and it's where we got fish from and where we laughed and played and just had a blast. And I watched that river last summer become a trickle, like not even a creek. Like you couldn't have even called it a creek in some places. We couldn't float the river, not even in in an inner tube because there wasn't enough water. And... And the weird thing is the Kispiox River has always been really healthy because it's not glacier dependent, it's groundwater dependent. And last year, the groundwater fell out. It just disappeared and nobody really understands why or what happened. Like that's way beyond my academic level. And when I talk to other people and other scientists, they're quite perplexed. So that was really terrifying. And I, I pulled a number of people in the valley and asked them how their wells were. And of the 22 people I spoke to, um, uh, eight had completely lost their water, like had zero water. Um, seven had to uh, had to let their water recharge, like ha- couldn't couldn't wash you know two loads of laundry, couldn't water their grass and do dishes, couldn't run their dishwasher in some cases, like not for a full load but maybe for a partial load. So could only get trickles of water and then would have to let their well recharge enough to get enough pressure um, so that they could get more water. And then some people found that their water quality dwindled and got cloudy or brackish or, you know, just wasn't good quality water. And then out of the 22, I think maybe four said that their water was fine, which that was pretty alarming for me watching these things happen. 2017 and 2018 were particularly hot and dry years. We had droughts and wildfires surrounding us, but this year felt wet. So let's go back and talk to climatologist Vanessa Ford based out of Prince George and see what the science has to say. Although it seems to be a bit of a, that there is definitely variabilities because I know that, I mean, this summer certainly has felt pretty wet. I don't know if that's accurate or if it's just a feeling, but I feel like in uh, July, I didn't even really have to water my garden because we would have these, you know, strange thunderstorms that would come, uh, electrical storms and a bunch of rain. And it just sort of, we seemed to be, it was a relief that we were sort of staying, you know, we could have campfires all summer and staying away from that wildfire risk, but felt pretty wet. I'm not sure how accurate that is, but that was, it definitely seemed, um, you know, variable or, or, or different from what the past, uh, couple of years have been. Yeah. You hit the nail right on the head there. It definitely seemed wet compared to the last few years. Was it wet? No. So July was, your your observations in July are good. According to Environment Canada, July was 17% above average precipitation um, for Smithers. But June and August were about half of normal. So the mm-hmm. summer on the whole, which climatologically is just the months of June, July, and August, um, was actually 73% of normal precipitation. And it, when you put that on top of a dry spring and the dry winter and the dry year that followed that, Again, you're looking at like overall moisture deficits and when you look at long-term larger systems. Um, so even though it's great that your water, your garden didn't need a lot of watering because we did see um, precipitation coming quite frequently, at least in those mid to latter parts of the summer. Every couple of days, we'd see a sprinkling of precipitation or perhaps a convective thunderstorm. But uh, the season on the whole was dry. 
What I learned in this episode is that we have already seen a three degree increase in temperature in the last 120 years in the Bulkley Valley, mostly in the winter months. We've also seen a 35% decrease in winter precipitation. How we live and play here has already been affected. We need to adapt and hopefully act. Thanks for listening to this podcast of 54 Degrees North, Climate Chronicles of the Bulkley Valley. This episode on glaciers and groundwater has been recorded on the unceded territory of the Wet'suwet'en Nation. Thanks to Witsinkwa Community Forest for a grant and Northwest Institute for supporting the creation of this series. Lots of gratitude to Facundo Gastiazoro for the artwork and feedback, to Rochelle Van Zenten for the music, to CICK Smithers Community Radio for some mentorship in airing the series, and to Sheena, Vanessa, Christoph, Chief Namox, and Shannon for the interviews. This podcast is produced by Nikki Skuse and edited with the help of Pam Hassan. Check out our other episodes on chronicling climate impacts and actions in the Bulkley Valley on salmon, our rivers, and extreme weather events. Please rate us and comment where you get your podcasts. And feel free to drop us a line at 54DegreesNorthPodcast at gmail.com. That's 54DegreesNorthPodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Thanks.